Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast. Two Putt for Par. Iowa's number one golf podcast. Yeah, but three putt is Snakesville. One part golf. Basically, it comes down to the fact that golf is hard. And one part business. But if it makes money, it makes sense. Mixing business with pleasure, these guys know how to have fun. This is the Two Putt Podcast. That's what we do. Welcome to episode 38 of the Two Putt Podcast, Iowa's number one golf podcast. We're a man down tonight, Brian. We got uh, Coach Steggy doing some some golf coach stuff, um, so that uh, that will uh, remove the buttery voice from the the pod tonight. But uh, we still got some fun things to cover and a pretty fun guest. Well, we don't really know. We're about to find out, but uh, definitely a, a guest that's going to have a an interesting story to share with us or 391 stories to share with us. Um, anyway, did you get a chance to watch uh, any of that golf last weekend? I did. I watched a little bit. Um, I think it was mostly on caught the highlights during the week and then watched uh, on Sunday until, I mean, probably the main thing that I think you and I were in the both in the same situation, DJ walking over the bridge on 17 and I never saw another thing again. We well, just listened to it. We just listened to it. Yeah, the audio fro or the video froze, and then I could hear the audio and how exciting and brilliant going into a playoff and these putts that I would later see. But I did not get to see a single bit of that because my my stream was froze, and I would actually I flipped over to the the women's side and watched a little bit, flip back, hoping it was fixed. And I don't I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if it ever got fixed. I don't know if it did that night because obviously once golf was done, it was just that one channel because yeah. I was watching a bunch of other channels while just hoping like you that, oh, I'll just turn it off and turn it back on. It's going to work. And and the thing was, I think it must have just been a streaming issue because I had put something on Twitter and, and somebody responded that, oh, yeah, it was like that on Hulu Live too. But I also had somebody basically taking videos of their TV of these putts and sending them to me. And I'm pretty sure that person had direct TV, which that was working. So yeah. What, what a miserable time for that to happen. When you watch the replays of those putts, I can't even imagine watching those live. Well, and I came back, I was, I don't remember if we were getting ready for bath time or what was going on around the house, but I remember coming back or stepping back in the room and talking about how thrilling and exciting and how this is as exciting as golf could get and I was like oh that's great like I'm, I'm it's like a total tease because they're telling me how amazing it was and I couldn't and I couldn't see any of it and as it was then like you said I flipped over to the golf channel as soon as coverage was over and they were obviously recapping it and I got to see see everything and those putts that those guys put in I mean just unbelievable I mean both of those were just nasty all right if you had to to rank them which putt was the better of the two putts i i think i gotta go with dj's because i feel like there's a little more on the line like rom could have lagged his close um you know and so i i think the fact that dj knew that he had to make that birdie um i think dj's was probably more impressive certainly the uh more awkward of the two i mean he barely hit that thing and then you, it looks like he doesn't play enough break, you know, that just sweeps to the right. And all of a sudden that thing breaks back to the left at the end. Um, certainly the better celebration to yeah. just put one finger up in the air 
I mean, that is, I mean, classic DJ. I mean, if you talk about how he reacts to things, that was a, an awesome celebration. Yeah, I agree. That was, that was cool. It was fun. It was of the two, obviously I like DJ better than Rombo. So it would have been, it would have been nice to see him cap that off, but uh, um, either way, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, fun event to see where everyone shook out. Um, fun to see the guys struggle a little bit. I mean, the scores were not what we've, um, are used to here since the return to golf, um, start to get a little bit closer. And as we get closer to that U S open had a little bit of that feel going, um, which was good. It was, it was, it was, it was fun to see some of those, some of those guys struggle and, um, you know, the course, the course, uh, proved to be a good test for them. You know, I think we've seen this now twice, um, this tournament and then a little bit with the memorial and courses that if they would have been u.s open courses set up by the usga those players would have lost their mind right they would have called the unfair unplayable whatever word you want to use this course was i mean there were some of the times where that ball would just keep rolling and rolling and the, the greens were obviously hard and, and baked and whatever but they didn't seem to have an issue with the playability of it but that I think that kind of goes to show what players think of the USGA and and their tournament setup when I'm guessing that one this weekend wasn't much different than what the USGA would do well yeah and the, and the thing with the conditions too was I mean the course actually got easier as the weekend went on um you know which obviously a USGA US open type event, they would have, I feel like they would have reacted. They would have made it super hard. The players would have freaked out. They would have reacted, made it easy on Friday and, you know, maybe easy on Saturday and then would have sucked the life out of it, made it really hard again on Sunday. And so the fact that it was just kind of the weather just worked out and it just got easier and it got better for the guys. Um, I was fine with it. I mean, obviously the lowest rounds on Sunday isn't normal, but, uh, I mean, in this year of nothing's normal, I mean, hey, let's go, let's roll with it. And so it was fun. It, it, it was entertaining and I think sets up um, for a little bit of a, a nice event here this weekend in Atlanta. Absolutely. I think um, that this is, doesn't really have me as excited as some of these other tournaments, mostly because the top 30 really isn't that strong of a field as far as, you know, the, the guys you see, I mean, Let's face it, Mark Leishman is in the Tour Championship. I mean, has anybody played worse than that guy? My flyer pick from last week, who, I mean, was struggling to break 80. He played pretty well on, on Sunday. I think he shot 74 to just shoot 30 over for the week. And then he moves on. Like the Guys like that, when you think about those big tournaments and, and the world ranking and, and those kinds of things, Mark Leishman's not in. I mean, did you see this week? Daniel Berger is not in the Masters. I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I get it. I mean, it's a Tour Championship, and it's a and it's a culmination of points. But I'm not that jacked up about the field. It's more that this tournament is set up differently than others, and it makes it very interesting. Because you know, you think, well, would you want to start a tournament with a two shot lead? Well, certainly you would. But man, they they got four days to make up those strokes. I mean, really anything can happen. Yeah. You certainly want to be the guy starting at 10 under, but I don't think 
there's there's people those those really good players that are six shots back that are like, well, we don't have a chance. Well, and I think it frees you up a little bit too. I mean, if some of those guys are playing from behind, um, I mean, Staggy's boy Tony Finau is a perfect example. If that dude's playing from behind and not playing with the lead, he's absolute fire. And so, I mean, we'll get into it and line your pockets, but uh, um, I mean, that's you know, a perfect example. And I. You know, uh, Rory is another one. I mean, got to be one of the favorites, assuming he doesn't have a kid. Um, he's got to be one of the favorites. Hasn't won an event all year. What if he goes out and wins the FedEx Cup? I mean, it, it's interesting the way in which that it's set up and the way in which that the points are combined. Like you said, with Leishman making his way in and, um, you know, some of these guys have won, not. Um, and some of the guys that you may think should be there aren't. And so, I don't know. It'll, it'll, it'll make for a lot of fun this weekend. Obviously, head, heading to Atlanta um with that it's gotta be hot there it's it, gotta it, be hot it's gotta be hot and one thing that i want to do i wish staggy was on here obviously the three of us braves fan going to the atl um so here's what i want you to do real quick for me i want you to power rank these maybe forgotten braves for me okay okay all right frenchy jeff francoeur ryan klesko julio franco rafael Fercal, and John and John Rocker. Oh, how would you rank these guys? You know, I this sounds bad, but I'm gonna go Klesko one, and I'm going Klesko one because fourth grade Lee Nelson baseball uh, wore number eighteen solely because of Ryan Klesko. So that has to be the top. Um, and I'm not gonna make this political because I know that this guy would probably fit in the political mold. But John Rocker is too. Um, he is like, I mean, the, one of the bigger personalities you can ever remember. Well, he was different. You got to remember he was different with the Braves. I mean, he was just on the scene, yeah. he was the young chap. I mean, he got weird after he left. Atlanta. Yeah. Not, but that's, I mean, I think now you would kind of associate him with political and that's what I want to take that away. I mean, Rocker was the man, like when he'd come running in, like he probably would have had a better career as like a WWE wrestler because his personality fit that. I mean, he would have come running in, you know, I mean, hot. He was coming in hot. Um, three, I'm going to go Julio Franco, only because he swung like a 12-pound bat um, and like still can. I saw a Twitter video of him a couple weeks ago, and he's still swinging that bat. I mean, he was hitting when he was 50. I mean, that's, yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. Uh, I'm going to go Frenchie number four. That's staggy um, yeah, Frenchy, uh, the first two months he played in the major leagues would have been number one on my list for sure. I thought we had the next – I thought we had Mike Trout before Mike Trout was Mike Trout. You know, and he was going to be the, the second coming of Jesus. And I was, just a straight Yes, up. yes, yes. And then I'll go, I'll go for a call last. I mean, I never really liked him. Um, like, Braves have never had a really good shortstop. At least – I mean, like – I would say I'd rank Jeff Blauser in front of for call. I mean, sure. he just was, eh, you know, like he was fast and like sometimes would hit and sometimes would field, but he was also one of those young guys that like, Oh, he's going to be really good. He's going to be really good. And then, yeah, he was okay. So shortstop wise, you go in uh, Edgar Renteria or Unel Escobar. Mm. That's a good one. Renteria, we didn't have a long time. No. Um, I'd probably go. I'd probably go Escobar. Just yeah. 
just because of longevity. Yeah. So, Where's your? Give me your five. How'd you rank them? Um. Yeah, I guess I would. Uh, Klesko, I, I agree with that one. Um. I probably had. I probably had Frenchie though, right there at two. Just the hope. Uh, we, the everything that we thought um, was going to come with that, and then the fizzle. Um, he was like Jason Hayward. He was. You know, yeah. like he Jason Hayward, that first game he played the Cubs and just goes long ball, and you're like, oh, we got this. He's 6'5", 250, can run, can swing it, can field. Yeah, Frank Coor is in that same boat. Well, Hayward was like that that – guy coming up too that they're talking about how it sounded like shotgun blast and bp when he's hit yeah. and now he's like the next next come he's a right field version of griffey and stuff yeah and that that never panned out either but uh <laughs> yeah so klesko frenchy probably rocker then i mean just because the time when he came in and the energy that he had and um, his name i mean talk about a name fitting a guy's personality yeah and then julio and for Kyle was last. I mean, for Kyle was kind of that guy that you just kind of loved to hate. It seemed like one possession he was or one at bat or one ground ball. He was the best player in the league. And then the next inning, he was the worst player. It was like, what is, what is he doing? Like, that's generally the sign of a severely average player. Right. And that's exactly what it was. It was the Zach McCabe of Iowa basketball. Just, you know, like he was either the best player or like wouldn't have even stepped on the court at Warburg. Yeah. I just, for, for Kyle just drove me, drove me nuts too. And, and like you said, I think that was kind of in that era where we were just, just begging for a good shortstop and, you know, had a lot of, a lot of decent pieces and, you know, we're, we're reeling a little bit trying to figure out what was next and, he wasn't next, that's for sure. So, is that but, considered our uh, preview of the geographical location of the golf tournament this yep, that, this week? That's our preview for Atlanta, hot Atlanta. So, um, hey, one other thing here, and we got to jump into our guest, but uh, we got to talk about Phil the Thrill real quick. Um, jumping on the Champions Tour and and just absolutely just going to work. Yeah, it was awesome. I actually watched the. So it's a, it was three rounds, right? Yep. Okay. So it was like midweek, uh, midday. I came home for lunch and turned on the golf channel, and it was the last round. And, you know, he'd come out and played pretty well early in that round, but then it got tight, like two or three shots on the back nine. Um, so he had to work a little bit. But, I mean, we talked about it last week. There's never been a better player on that tour than Phil at this point in his career. Well, that's the thing with that champion story we talked about. I mean, you're not getting rookies. I mean, you're getting guys when they come to the champions tour. I mean, they're vets. Um, and I think the other thing too, you saw, I mean, neat course, um, definitely an area uh, in which I want to get down and play again, actually. So real quickly on that, the, um, the course in which that they played the last two weeks. So the Corin Crenshaw course in which that they were playing last week, that course and then Tigers course, um, is where Murder Rock, John Daly's course used to be at down there. They went ahead and blew that thing up and said, we're going to put some real courses in here. But I actually played Murder that's Rock. Like the, that's like the story of John Daly's golf career. Too. Yeah, exactly. It was only, I think it was only open for seven years or something like that. And probably, actually, won, probably hosted a couple big tournaments, had a couple nice wins. and then, I, I don't think it hosted anything. It was bad. I mean, And then smoked a bunch of cigarettes and eats at Hooters. 
we went and played it in that seven years existence. I actually got a chance to play it. And I mean, it was, yeah, it was just okay at best. I mean, there was some, it was like a 10 minute cart ride from green to tea on, I mean, it was just, it was his first attempt at making a golf course and he struggled. And so it's kind of funny that they blew it up, but looked pretty good on TV. But I, that is one thing going back to one of our episodes, how low can you go? I mean, you put a pro out on a resort course that you and I would go and play at, and these guys are going to shoot stupid scores. And so I think no difference when those champions guys show up and, and, and take advantage, but uh, yeah, good for, good for Phil. And then one other thing too, was it last night with Phil? Did you see that tweet that he sent out about Tiger? It was kind of cryptic a little bit. Yeah. We gotten to the bottom of that yet. He said it was just like, like a random act of kindness kind of thing. It's new Phil, man. I mean, but honestly, the more I interaction and even old video that you see of those guys, it was all just a ploy. I mean, those guys, oh, sure. they were put against each other. They didn't really, they didn't really feel it. You know, they were. Well, Tiger hated everybody. Right. I mean, it wasn't like he just solely hated one other guy on tour. Tiger didn't like anybody, didn't talk to anybody. He could have made it look like he was in a big rivalry with anybody out there. Yeah, no, I agree. So, but well, with that, let's uh, quick break and let's get to our guests. Super excited about this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This two-putt podcast is brought to you by WB Realty, Central Iowa's best real estate brokerage. WB Realty, for all your real estate needs. All right, we're back into the the two-putt podcast this week. Iowa's number one golf podcast. And also, we have uh, what I would call Iowa's number one golfer with us uh, this week. that we'll get into some some pretty interesting stories, but I would just say the story in general is going to be one that will I, I think it's just fascinating. Probably the most interesting thing you could do with with golf in the state of Iowa. Um, with that, we have uh, Ben Frotcher. Frotcher, did I say that right? Yep. Um, with us tonight, and Ben has completed uh, playing every course in Iowa. Uh, that would be 415 courses. Uh, however, 24 of those we found out are not open anymore. So 391 courses that are still open uh, in Iowa. So that's a, a pretty incredible story. Uh, with that, uh, Ben, how you doing tonight? I'm doing, I'm doing great. You know, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. No, we're excited. So do you know where Iowa, before we get into quick hitters, we got to always hit with quick hitters, but at least intro made me think of this. Do, where does Iowa rank as far, or maybe you don't know this, but where does Iowa rank as far as courses? I mean, 391, like open, that's got to be a lot. Um, I know for per capita, it's definitely, you know, it got to be top five states, I would think. I know years ago, it used to be number two, just behind North Dakota. Um, but I do know that Iowa ranks number one for, uh, nine hole golf courses and that no one really even comes close so yes. it's something like i have something like 255 nine hole golf courses so it's just it's crazy no that's awesome I, it, make, it makes sense obviously given given everything with the great state of iowa so um perfect well i can't wait to dive in and get your opinion on on your venture and talk more about that but before we do this with every guest um we try to set the tone a little bit that if our listeners were out playing golf with you they'd have a little bit better idea of what was going on and so the first one and probably the biggest one on the pod that we have a lot of back and forth is where does your golf glove go when you putt 
goes in my back pocket. Um, I didn't wear a glove um, for the majority of my golf career, but as you know, Iowa summers can get pretty steamy. So uh, I've needed the, the golf glove as, as I've gotten older. So back what pocket, right or left? Uh, generally back right pocket. Yes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we've had a lot of I, I'm a left back left pocket Lee's back right but we've had a lot of left lately and so Lee is just hoping for someone to join his team here have they all been right handers or left handers or where have they kind of fallen on that I think all right right handers. Okay. Yep. It's, it's a good question because we think the same thing Ben if you take the golf glove off your left hand you have it already in your right hand so the smooth mm -hmm. most efficient transitions back right for sure and, you know, I could have been a left-hand one maybe or left-pocket one just because I am ambidextrous. So I could, I could have gone the other way, but I don't. Yeah, no, that's good. We, we like it. As long as, you're, as long as you're not putting it in your front pocket, I guess we're, we're good on the pod. <laughs> so. What about a hat? Do you wear a hat when you golf? Um, yeah, my uh, hair game is not what it used to be. So <laughs> to avoid the uh, – the painful sunburns on the top of my head, I, I have to wear a hat. That kind of rudely uh, was shown to me probably like four or five years ago when a good friend and I did a golf trip. Uh, he lives in Southern California and we drove from Orange County all the way up to uh, Monterey in Northern California and we'd rented a convertible and eight hours with no, with the top down did not do well for the top of this head. <laughs> that's great um what about uh what's your wedge setup what uh what do you have in the bag right now so i have three wedges i have a 50 degree it's probably about 17 years old um i have a really old set of irons uh nicholas brand actually and i always struggled to part ways with them because i hit them so well but uh that might you know change this year because i'm starting to lose a little distance but then i also have a 56 degree cleveland wedge and a 60, 60 degree wedge that I only hit out of the sand because it's just not very reliable anywhere else. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, one of the things we did a, a few months back was we kind of bracketed off and did a nickname in golf bracket. Uh, what, uh, what's your favorite nickname in golf? You know, I had to really think about this, um, but you know, you can't really go wrong with Craig Stadler and the walrus. It's just, yeah kind of pretty it's pretty fitting for the guy so you know why not <laughs> he made it quite a ways he's a two seed in our bracket i think and he okay. he was he made it quite a ways i think he ran, even uh went through small wrists didn't he Lee? yeah second son? round that was a yeah. two seven smaller walrus <laughs> it's funny you say that about craig stadler because you're the second guest we've had on here that said the name fits what the guy looks like yeah i think if you look at walrus in the dictionary and maybe a, a human version you know you probably wouldn't be far <laughs> off from craig stadler <laughs> that's good well so this next one this question um you this would be probably the most difficult for you normally our guests on here this is pretty easy mm -hmm. um but uh what's your favorite course in iowa so I'm going to ask you a question back you're just talking straight up favorite out of the 391 Yep, so or not the best, not the best, none of that, just what's your favorite? <laughs> okay, you know, I, I really I really enjoy uh, Davenport Country Club, uh, played it for the first time last year, um, 
you know, first, it's just a really beautiful golf course. And secondly, I think it's just tough and requires a lot of great shot shaping. Um, and then third, it just has a lot of history to it. Like, I love being a writer myself. I love a good story. And number 16 there has a, a really great story. Um, I don't know if you guys know about it, but they held the Western Open way back in the day there. And Sam Snead was playing in it. And on number 16, he hit his tee shot into the creek that runs along the left side of the fairway, um, which basically cost him the tournament. And so I actually followed suit as well when I played there and pushed my tee shot into the creek as well. But um, they actually have a little plaque there on 16, and the hole is dubbed the Hole of Grief because of Mr. Sneed's uh, ill will on that hole. <laughs> That's, that's awesome yeah that is great no. yeah the the stories that you probably get from going to those courses too it's not just playing the courses you know it, it's probably some some different things but before we get into that uh and before we get into golf just in general why don't you give us a little background of of you as a as a kid and and all the way to now what what is what is life given you at this point Okay. Uh, well, so I grew up in north central Iowa, and outside a small little town of Farnonville, about 400 people. Uh, started golfing when I was 11 or 12. Um, got started um, thanks to an uncle, actually. Um, they were just going out golfing one day and were like, you want to come along with us? And I'm like, I've never golfed and they were like, we're, don't worry, we're going somewhere where it doesn't matter. So I uh, went and played for the first time and on a par three, I actually hit the green and made a par. And so I thought, well, this isn't too bad. Let's just kind of keep on golfing and see where it takes me and end up playing high school golf. And then after that, that's kind of when I started to pursue uh, the idea of playing every golf course in Iowa. Now, so one this, thing too, sorry, okay. Lee, I got to jump in. I know this is your segment, but um, <laughs> so w when you started or you decided, I, I think I saw somewhere, something that you interview or somewhere where you actually set your college schedule up to allow yourself to play, right? Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I would usually try to block my classes so that I either had, you know, a Tuesday or a Thursday morning free or a Tuesday, Thursday afternoon free kind of thing. So cause it seemed like a lot of my classes always fell on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So I could usually find a way to, you know, give myself till 2 p.m. on a Tuesday to go maybe play a couple golf courses or just go play 18. So when you came up with this idea that you wanted to play every course in Iowa, was the idea that from the get-go, or did you play some courses and then say, I want to play them all? I mean, I think when I was, before college, I think the idea, I just enjoyed playing new golf courses. Like, I always played my home course, but I would always go play the other courses within the conference I grew up in, whether it was like Pocahontas or Lake City or Lakeview, wherever. But, um, you know, when I got to college, I thought, you know, maybe there's there's something to this and why not, you know, try to see what I can do here. And I think the hardest thing for me was to never get too far ahead of myself thinking I need to go play 100 golf courses in a year and just make this really fast because then I'm never going to remember half the courses I play. So might as well just play 
20, 25 a year and just slowly take my time and check them off the list. So when you say slowly, how long did this take from start to finish? You know, if I, so if I started in college, which I went to college in, from 2002 to 2006, you know, probably 18 years of serious thinking about it and keeping a, a list and keeping track of maybe new courses that open or courses that close and, you know, just kind of going from there. What was the most difficult part of, of this whole thing for you? You know, I knew the private courses were always going to be kind of the, the wild card, like how was it going to be easy or was it going to be really challenging? And, you know, for the most part, it really wasn't that challenging between um, just connections and people I know. Um, I played in some Iowa Golf Association member play days or what they call them, and they just block off like tea times on a Monday at a country club and you get kind of a slightly discounted rate and you'd go out and play and you just go play with other people. And that kind of helped knock off probably six of the country clubs that I had on the list. And then if I didn't know anyone, I would actually just write a, a letter to the uh, club pro and then follow up a week or two later. And that usually was pretty successful. So, but, but really the, the, the one that did kind of cause me some sleepless nights was actually the last one with Talons of Tuscany. Cause when I got down to it being the only one, I didn't know how I was going to actually get on there. Cause it's not like I knew anyone, but then I kind of found out that I did have a connection. Um, after I started to get some publicity about what I was doing, um, a guy from my hometown actually reached out to my sister and was like, hey, I've known Dennis Albaugh, who owns Talons of Tuscany since the 1970s. Um, let me know if you need my help. And so he kind of got me in connection with the right person there. And uh, I kind of took it from there and it ended up being pretty simple. They were very, very gracious and generous and gave me a few dates to work with and offered to allow me to bring out three of my friends with me and it was free for the day. So that was, that was really great. Great way to end it. Yeah, that's, that's, that is an awesome way to end it. I mean, I've never played it. I know Brian and Jason both have, and they've talked glowingly about that course and just the, the shape it's in and just the feel that you get when you're there. But when you're going through all these courses, did you have a big list that you had and you're just checking things off as you do it or how did you go ahead and, and track all your progress yeah so when I was a kid my mom actually gave me a book it's just called golf courses of Iowa it's written by a guy from Jefferson and uh, you know I kind of used that as my roadmap um, there were I think at the end of it there were maybe about 20 courses that weren't in the book and that might have been partly because some courses opened later on after the book was done but I also uh kind of used the Iowa Golf Association, got their list just to kind of cross-reference with that book just to see what I'm missing. And then just kind of following Iowa Golf News and just seeing, you know, what new courses are opening or what ones are closing. I even remember that I had read a, a story in the Gazette about this little like nine-hole sand green golf course out in the middle of nowhere, kind of out by I want to say by Anamosa, 
and I thought that's not on my list so we we better go play it and find it and GPS couldn't even find it so I eventually stumbled upon it and played it but isn't is that the one that's by Cascade is it by Cascade yeah it's like Scotch Grove I think I think I played that one (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think I played that one it's the middle of nowhere that's (laughs) that's awesome so I'm not going to ask you to do this but if we randomly dropped a golf course on you could you remember every single one that you played or something about every single one that you played definitely not but i will probably most of them i could but uh i do have the scorecards from all of the rounds i've played except for my very first round so if i really needed to i could go down into our basement into the drawer where i have them and just pull out the right year and eventually find the scorecard and i could probably tell you what i shot and I usually keep some stats on there too, or, and I used to write some notes on the scorecards back in the day too. So I could probably tell you a little something depending on which course it was. Did I see where you kept the pencils or something too? Or I do that too. And, you know, not every course has their name on the pencil. You know, I don't want, you know, Joe Smith Insurance Company. You know, I don't really care about that pencil, but if it has the course name on it, I usually try to keep those too. Yeah, that's neat. Um, so one of the things you made me think of, so what's the newest course in Iowa? Do you know? Um, it's probably either like the Ridge up in Sioux Center or Grand Falls uh, Casino and Golf Resort up by Larchwood, literally right on the border with South Dakota. Okay. Those are probably the two newer, newest ones because I did have to circle back in that part of the state because I played a lot of Northwest Iowa when I um, – interned at the newspaper in Spencer and like they built Grand Falls they built the ridge they closed the nine hole course in Sioux Center and just other things and had to go back up there this year to go kind of re refinish Northwest Iowa. (laughs) You mentioned Spencer what's uh, Spencer uh, Country Club like? It's pretty flat very tree-lined you know it's probably a lot like hmm, a lot like the Mason City Country Club a little bit like you know kind of what you see is what you get but if you're not hitting the ball straight it's gonna be a long day yeah we've uh I know we have at least one one buddy listener that uh will be tuning into here and so uh I know that they've been doing they host a few they host the Northwest up there and, and host some good tournaments I've never been over and played but I, I've heard pretty pretty good things about the course I just was curious when yeah. you said Spencer yeah, and that was kind of a fun summer because when I interned up there, um, my boss actually, um, so it's a five-day-a-week newspaper, and she was like, you know, we need some content for the Saturday morning newspaper. How about um, you go out and review golf courses, and then the in turn, they allow you to play for free. And I ended up playing, I think, 15 different golf courses in the area and got to review them and play for free so that was that kind of helped too to get the the job done a little faster so i'm not having to pay 40 50 60 dollars for a round yeah absolutely that's always always makes it better free golf can't ever complain about that um another question that uh, you made me think of is so what happens what happens when a new course opens up i mean this this venture is not over right I'll have to go play it. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see when the next one opens up. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess like that's what sparked my interest too, because it's so many of the courses are so established, and like we mentioned in the intro, it almost seems like more are closing, unfortunately, than opening up, and so mm -hmm. that's why I was uh, I was just curious to see, you know, which one were you like, you know, even in your story, yeah, I hit Northwest Iowa, but now I got to go back up and catch a couple more, which is cool. Like I'd rather see them coming on than than coming off. Right, you might see. You know, like one of the courses I had to go play up in Northwest Iowa was um, Willow Creek and Lamar's. And when I played it, it was only 18. And then about two years after I played it, they added nine more and made it 27. So then I had to go up there and replay that and actually ended up just playing the whole 27 because they had built nine more, but it wasn't just an additional nine. It was they built set seven the holes were for one nine then they moved two to another and just kind of moved some things around so i thought it's just going to be easier if i play the whole darn thing again <laughs> so not travel wise but did you keep track of how much money you spent on golf throughout this whole thing no and i don't want to know and I'm yeah sure I don't spouse, blame and you. i'm sure my spouse doesn't want to know either <laughs> <laughs> i could be a very rich man if i hadn't golfed all these courses maybe i don't know <laughs> Well, you brought up another point that I'd never even thought about. So some of these courses, um, you know, like Echo Valley with 27, you played all 27. Des Moines, you played both 30, or both 18, so all 36. Yep. Um, it, so that that's interesting, too, because I guess I wouldn't ever have thought about the fact to be like, well, hey, we got to we gotta hit all of these. So let me ask you this. Um, did you ever play the uh, nine-hole par three in Urbandale at that apartment complex. <laughs> What's that place called? You know what I'm talking about? West, po West Point. Yes. Yeah, because I didn't even, <laughs> uh, there's a funny story with this. I didn't know the course existed until about a year ago. And one of my friends had posted a photo on Instagram from like a November round there because it was one of the few courses that, you know, it wasn't really closed, wasn't really open kind of thing. And I was like, where the heck is this golf course? Because I didn't know it existed. So that was one of the few courses I had to play uh, this year, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that thing's still open. I probably, man, 10 years ago, I lived there and uh, okay. would, would, would get out. And I mean, it was, it was, it was all right, a little hairy, but uh, I, fun to get out and hit I'm them. still not exactly sure how you get from number, four. Um, was it? Yeah, yeah, from three, was it on four? There's like a little creek or something. Yeah. Like I still, I'm still not sure how you actually get around that. <laughs> At one point, I think someone put an old wooden door so you could actually go over the creek, but then that would get washed away. And so uh, you were supposed to go like all the, yeah, that was a joke. Like they needed to do yeah. something. In the afternoon I was there, it was about a hundred degrees. So I uh, played the first few holes, actually jumped in my car and drove it to the other side of the, the parking lot and then played the rest of the course. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. That's a, that's a haul. You, you'd walk more going around than you would that whole course. On that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, good. Let's, uh, we, we gave you a little bit of a, a preview so you could at least dig back in the memory bank, but uh, obviously with myself being from Algona, I got to ask uh, what your take is on, on the Algona Country Club. So I really need to go replay it because it's been so long since I played it. I don't remember a whole lot about it. That's really the sad thing. Um, Cause I probably played it maybe like 2003. So yeah, it's on my list for either later this year or next year, just to go replay it to see um, 
see what it's all about because wasn't it designed by uh, the same same guy that designed Shinnecock? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and which I actually just kind of just got wind of that. Um, had some buddy that started started telling me about that, so I looked into it a little bit. And yeah, I mean, he obviously uh, uh, known for doing Shinnecock and courses out in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Somehow, I don't still working on trying to figure out what the connection is and how he got to Iowa um, and how he designed that course. Um, I will say it's one of those things that growing up on that course, I definitely took it for granted and some of the holes and the design and just the fact that, I mean, the, the way in which the, the hills and the contours and stuff uh, for mm-hmm. Iowa, I took for granted. I mean, it, it's all I ever knew. And now, you know, we go around, we have a lot of um, courses dumped in a cornfield and they're kind of back and forth and yeah, going to country club is definitely not that. And so uh, at the time I was like, Oh man, all these things I want to change. And now I just go back and, and enjoy and appreciate it but uh um another one in 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 our area that's maybe a little more well known is spring valley do you remember spring valley and what what did you think of that place yeah i do remember spring valley a little bit more because when i was in high school we would golf against uh what was then a uh, twin river valley so usually every other year make the trip up there so and usually in the summer i would try to play the courses that i knew that we were playing next year just so that I could get a look at them to see, you know, what they were like and how challenging they were. And, you know, Spring Valley is a, a tough course. You know, it's, you know, being a North Central Iowa kid, you don't have a lot of small town courses quite like that. And I seem to remember maybe playing it a few years ago. And it seemed like the fairways were a little, a little tighter than what they used to be, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's like the diamond in the rough. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about kind of driving driving on a blacktop and cornfield, cornfield, bean field. All of a sudden, you're like, "Whoa, what's this?" And it mm-hmm. just jumps out at you. Family owned, family ran. Um, definitely, definitely a un- unique situation. Actually, Lee and I, geez, that's probably been 15 years, Lee, but uh, we've been up there and uh, went and played that course, and, and just a lot of fun. It is. It's it's a nice little challenge. It's a it's a in the land of nine hole courses to, to drop that 18 where it's at. Uh, it's a, it's a fun little track to go play. Right. Agreed. So you guys keep talking about North central Iowa, but I'm really from North central Iowa, Ben, like <laughs> we're talking North central Iowa. Um, what can you tell me about the nasty nine at North and country club? You haven't played. It wasn't that long ago that you played it. No, no, and it was like first thing in the morning too. So you know, I thought it was a fun little track. I could probably pull up my uh, my spreadsheet even and tell you what I shot there. But yeah, I thought it was a fun little course. Like you can get away with some some errant tee shots and things, but you got also have to kind of know where to miss. Yeah, it's that typical small town Iowa where you can spray it a little bit, but the greens are so little. You know, like they are you, little. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough to. I mean, if you like you said, if you don't miss in the right spot to really score there, you know, it's it's not about how well you hit it; it's about where you miss it. You know, just like any round of golf. So, how about other North Central Iowa courses? I know one that I've talked highly about is Rice Lake in Lake Mills, which mm-hmm. is a little bit out in the middle of nowhere, but I I think is a a beautiful eighteen hole course. You remember playing that one? Yeah, yeah, because I only played that maybe two years ago, and I thought that was probably one of the better, if not the best, you know, public 18-hole course that's up in north, north central Iowa, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, it was just kind of surprising. I wasn't really sure what to expect when I pulled in and you know, you kind of have the lake there for a couple holes and it kind of goes away, but it's just a nice, you know, Parkland style 18 hole golf course. So in a you small are, town too, kind of like yeah. Spring Valley, like you're not quite expecting, you know, maybe the quality of the golf course and also, you know, maybe some of the challenges that it yeah. presents as well. Yeah, it is, it is like Spring Valley as far as, you know, it's, you're driving and then all of a sudden there's something there that you you run into so it's right. it is kind of a, a cool little place but when you when we talk about that part of the state and I'm sure it's, it's like this in a lot of other places but when you guys are going or when you're going through your I'm going to play this course but there's a lot of nine hole courses are you trying to hit two three four courses a day yeah uh, absolutely yeah um, if I'm just doing maybe like a day trip by myself you know I'll leave about as early as I can and then you know, try to play as many courses as I can. You know, if it's three, you know, I'm, I've been known to play 36 or 45 in a day, you know, that's not out of the norm for me. And, you know, you might get a little tired, but at the same time, I'm not walking all 36 or 45 either. So I might walk a nine or something, if, especially if it's something pretty flat, but yeah, I'm usually trying to knock off a few in a day just so that I'm not having to make a ton of trips to one part of the state. So I guess we haven't asked you this. Where's home for you now? Where are you at? I live in Iowa City. Okay. Um, so Jason would, should be on and talking about uh, Waverly and the Cedar Falls, Waterloo area. Obviously tons of courses right there in uh, uh, one little area. But uh, Wartburg and Waverly is near and dear to all of our hearts. And so did you get up and get a chance to play would be, was it Prairie Lynx? Was it Centennial? What was it called when you were there? And did you play the Muni at the same time too? Um, I actually think I played them different days. I played Prairie Lynx maybe four years ago and Waverly Municipal maybe three or four years ago. So yeah, there, I'm trying to remember like Prairie Lynx was a little more wide open if I remember right and then Waverly Municipal was a little bit more what you'd expect maybe a little more Parkland style but did have some op more open shots especially was it across the road there um is there a road there I can't remember what but I remember yeah. like the maybe it was the back nine yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good memory. I mean, the fact that you're able to even even pull some of this after four <laughs> years ago. I mean, and an extra 250 courses in there, whatever it is. I just can't remember anything else. You know, <laughs> ask my spouse. My memory's pretty shoddy on everything else but golf. <laughs> what about uh, what about in the uh, Cedar Valley area? So um, oh, Beaver Hills is one that we talk quite a bit about on the pod. Gets a lot of a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. um, what sunny side you get a chance to get on sunny side obviously uh, yep. what, are, what are some what do you remember about the cedar valley area you know i'm just i'm kind of surprised that there are as many golf courses in the area as there are just because you know waterloo cedar falls has a lot of golf courses but then if you go out to some of the smaller towns like denver and sumner and then go the other way like applington parkersburg dyke grundy center Trayer, like all these smaller towns have a nine hole golf course themselves too. So it's just kind of amazing in that part of the state that they all can, you know, still keep on going. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely pretty impressive. I, I will agree with you that. Well, I'm going to, um, before I have you rank here, a, a few courses for us, I'm going to make you a really kind of, it's maybe a, <laughs> a unfair advantage given the fact that you're at the Algona country club, uh, 
almost 20 years ago now, but uh, what's, if you had to power rank the Agona Country Club versus the Northwood Nasty Nine versus <laughs> what's, what's Fredericksburg's course called, Lee? Do you even know? The hot plate at one time. <laughs> i don't plum, even know versus plum, Frederick plum, plum creek is that what it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's where we needed staggy he needs to jump on so those are our three courses that the three of us grew up on uh put those put those in order of intrigue or however you want to power rank them i don't i don't care but uh settle settle a score for us um oh I hold would... on i take that back i'm gonna add one more we have a loyal listener who's a uh a huge nashua um country club we're gonna throw Nashua okay. in there as well. So. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, I would probably say Algona, Northwood, Nashua, and Fredericksburg. And I, I'm there. I'm only ranking Nashua maybe a little bit lower because I seem to remember it was really expensive to play nine holes in a cart there. So uh, that I seem to think it was maybe like 30, 30 bucks or something. And I thought that seemed a little a little steep for a nine hole small town golf course, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. I like it. I, uh, I haven't, I haven't played Fredericksburg or Nashville. I've seen my, actually my grandparents are from Nashville. So I've seen it a hundred times for whatever reason, never got out on it, but, uh, no, that's good. That'll, that'll help us, uh, help a few conversations that we've had here. <laughs> um, so, but with that then, um, as we take a look at him, you mentioned, you talked about Rice Lake. Um, I, I gave you a lot here. And so I kind of want to just go through and I mean, we don't have to get too deep in the weeds, but just kind of yeah. separating the different courses. I mean, obviously nine hole is going to be almost impossible, but if there's like one or two nine hole courses that jump out at you, obviously then let's talk a little bit about the private courses and where those rank um, mm -hmm. public 18. And then actually perfect of what you just said with Nashua. Um, what's the best value and let's start there what do you what do you think as far as value for what you get for what you're paying um that you can remember in the state of iowa if you're going to play golf and want to value where where are you going yeah I, and i mean when i was a kid you could always you know somehow find nine holes for 10 bucks somewhere like it, it never failed and usually you might have green tea boxes and green greens and everything else might be a little toasty brown in the middle, but you know, it's $10 to go walk nine holes. So that's great. Um, you know, just thinking about my area, um, like I can go play a mana sometimes for $35 and for the test of golf that you get there, you know, and it's usually in pretty good condition too. You know, that's a really good value in my book. Uh, yeah. And, for our area, TCI, um, mm -hmm. from a value standpoint, I mean, if you catch a twilight or sometimes they run some promotional stuff, I mean, to go up and play that level of golf course um, for the rate in which that you can catch that, um, yeah. from a value standpoint, it, it's tough to beat. Yeah, Termical of Iowa is probably one of my favorite public courses in the state just because of where it's at, the scenery, the shots that you're forced to, to hit. And, you know, j there's just some really memorable golf holes out there too. So it's definitely one of my favorites, if not the favorite public course in the state. So let's stay on that public 18. What, uh, what else is, so we've thrown out TCI, Spring Valley, Rice Lake. Um, what do we got maybe even over Eastern Iowa? So some of your favorite uh, public 18. Yeah. yeah, I really, I really enjoy uh, Spirit Hollow down in Burlington. Um, went down there back in May and it's just a fun, 
a fun layout and you know I love being out on a golf course and not hearing anything at all and you know that just kind of getting away from everything and that's just a great golf course to do that on and there's some really fun some fun golf holes out there like just number 10 number 18 18 to great finishing hole par five where you can bite off as much as you want to on the tee shot to try to get there in two so there, there's some there's some great golf holes out there um i also really like riverside just down the road um i'll be i'm actually going out there next friday it's a, a fun golf course and just kind of a little bit different for Iowa. Like you're, you know, you're pretty used to your Parkland style courses and Riverside's just completely wide open. And, you know, if the wind's howling out there, it can be kind of a, a brutal test, but, you know, like a lot, of, a lot of the other golf courses you guys have mentioned, it's, you know, it's another one of those. It's always in really great condition too. So speaking of great condition, uh, uh, private courses are, especially in our state, are usually in, in the best condition. What, what, do you, what do you think as far as on the private sector and uh, what, uh, what courses do you rank, um, either from a, from a playability standpoint or layout or fun level? What, what do you think on, on the private side of the courses in Iowa? Yeah, I'd probably say two of my more favorites are uh, Davenport Country Club and the Cedar Rapids Country Club as well. They're just both really, really great layouts. I know uh, Cedar Rapids is going to look a little different after the, the derecho and them losing something like five or 600 trees on the golf course. So, you know, that's going to be hard to, to go play that again. Hopefully they, they recover and it all looks great. But definitely those two are some of the the top in my books for private courses in the state. Good. And then last one uh, from me is so nine holes, obviously we talked about it. I'll go to country clubs, the best <laughs> of what <laughs> we told you, but uh, what are, what are some of the other nine holes that maybe jumped out at you, surprised you, um, you know, that really just stick in your mind as far as nine hole courses in Iowa with, you know, what'd you say? 255 to choose from. Yeah. 255. Uh, Stone Creek in Williamsburg is probably one of the best in the state. You know, I think it was designed by uh, D.A. Weibring, who was on the PGA Tour for a while. Um, I, you know, that's a really great, great layout. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, Sunny Bray up in Osage just because it's very different than what you normally get a, a small town golf course. Like, you know, it's right along the river there. Um, some nice elevation changes there too. Um, you know, for back home golf courses, I always really enjoyed playing um, Twin Lakes Golf Course, which is just north of Rockwell City. It's only about 2,500 yards. And if you're not hitting straight tee shots, you could be one fairway or even two fairways over. You know, it's just a really, really tight little golf course. And found out this year that way back in the day, uh, Babe Ruth actually golfed the golf course when he was in town for a baseball clinic. So that was kind of a cool little historical fact too. <laughs> so nine hole courses, do you remember playing Prairie Rose in Brunsville? Yeah. So I played that when I interned up in Spencer back in 2004. So yeah, long time ago. And I, I remember it being pretty, pretty wide open too, if I remember right. I just thought for a nine hole course as good of a condition as as I play, especially the greens. I mean, the greens were when I played it unbelievable. I mean, it just didn't feel like I was on a nine hole course. 
Well, and Brunsville is a pretty tiny little town too. So it's just even great. They have a golf course, but to have a golf course, that's, you know, a pretty good golf course too. That's really great. And well, I, I'm going to interrupt the, the pod really quick. We got, we got the third co-host on Jason. We, we talked some Plum Creek here earlier. Um, <laughs> the, the ranking was uh, between the nasty uh, Algona country club, Plum Creek and uh, Nashua town and country club. Where do you think Plum Creek fits in that list? I'd have to say probably third out of that. <laughs> out of that grouping uh if i was going to go out on a limb i'm going to say that plum creek is probably not one of the higher rated nine hole courses uh that ben has played but you know maybe a few unique holes out there too you know the short drivable par four where you can't see the green and you just kind of aim at some trees in the background or one of the many domed greens they have out there that are nearly impossible to hit <laughs> Now, you guys were talking about value. I do remember this. I always get the uh, Iowa PGA Pass every year, and Plum Creek is in there. And if I remember right, it was 18 holes in a cart for $10. So, you know, if you're <laughs> looking for a value, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you can't beat that bang for your buck no, anywhere. No, not at all. <laughs> they might even throw in a courtesy sixer for $4. <laughs> <laughs> And then, then you're going to have to spend the night, and that's probably where they get you, right? It's going to be $100 to spend the night. I mean, you could probably find some, uh, some member that would be willing to put you up for the night, so you could probably get off for $0 there. <laughs> hey, while we're talking about favorite things, can you remember your favorite par 3, par 4, par 5 when you went through this? Did you ever say, this is an awesome golf hole? Yeah, so like favorite par three, I really, really liked uh, number 12 on the uh, north course at Des Moines Golf and Country Club. It's a, uh, a horseshoe kind of shaped green with water in front, a bunker in the middle of the horseshoe. So depending on where the, uh, the pin is on the day, it can be a really brutal hole that you not only have to carry water, carry a little pot bunker, but also not go left and hit it in the water as well. So that's just a a great hole and if I remember right the green nearly spans 100 yards so it's just a a crazy little golf hole yeah it's it's huge that has those two the two greens and if Mm. it I would say 80 percent of the time it plays to the front green but if it if they do put it on the back it's I mean good luck challenges (laughs) yeah because you're talking about hitting off a tight lie I mean because you got to carry that bunker that splits it so Mm -hmm. that's a that's a good one I, I like to hear that so what about par four uh, par four, I'm probably going to have to go back to the one that I mentioned earlier, number 16 at Davenport Country Club, the, the Hole of Grief. Like, that's just a, a fun golf hole with the creek down the left side, kind of a cutout limestone uh, kind of wall on the right side as well. So if you hit your tee shot too far to the right, you're going to be blocked from the green. So it's kind of a, a challenging little tee shot. So, yeah, Dav- Davenport again. Davenport for the win. What about par five? What do you remember about? I, it can't be the river or blue top, that 600-yard <laughs> behemoth. Yeah, that, that, one, that one is a bear, uh, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I hate to do it, but I got to go back to, to Davenport Country Club and number nine. Um, it's, the tee shot is just a brutal tee shot. You got trees on the left side, so you can't miss there. Then you have a creek 
going down the whole right side of the hole. Basically, just right off the fairway to the right is the creek. And so you got to hit two or three really, really good shots. You know, I don't think it's a terribly long hole. It might be 515 or so. But, um, you know, maybe I might be a little partial on that one, too, because when I played there, I birdied the hole. So, you know, I have fond memories of that one. So what about you guys? What are your guys' favorite three, four, and fives for where you guys have played? Man, putting us on the spot. <laughs> um, Figured you can edit it out later if you need to. Oh, oh we don't do that. We're straight. <laughs> we just roll this thing straight out. Um, obviously, in our catalog, it is not near as deep as yours to choose from. Um, my, I'm trying to think. You got me on the spot. Um, I, like you said, so Des Moines Golf is, is probably that number 12 as far as par three. Um, the more that I think about that, that one, uh, that one is tough to beat uh, as far as a par three setup. And actually, if you go, so it would be south course. Um, God, why can't I remember what number it was? Six, five? Um, when did you play Des Moines Golf, I guess? Before pre-renovations or post-renovation? So I actually played Des Moines golf three times, uh, played kind of their Solheim layout first and then did the North course, um, two years ago and then the South course last year. Okay. So the South course, that par five, did you play it when it was over water when they, or the par three over the water or six, it would be six as it was, there's a huge pond that they had in front and then the renovation is crazy as they sucked that whole pond out. And by the next year you went by there and you never knew there was ever a pond. Yeah. I don't think there was a pond there. If I don't remember right, I might have to pull out the scorecard now to, to, to remember, but yeah, I don't remember a pond there. Yeah. So four, cause four comes back four is a pretty cool hole and it had a little spillway that ran right through the middle of it and you'd hit down in front and then you'd carry that. And then, um, then five was back over the pond. Um, okay. and it was, was pretty neat. Uh, it was a neat looking hole, uh, when the pond was there, but then, yeah, for the renovations, they sucked that pond out of there. Um, and still, I mean, puts in some bunkers and stuff and, uh, that green's still bare, but, uh, that was an interesting hole, uh, and just the renovations and the way in which that that changed. But, uh, I know I'm kind of deflecting your question, but I, I'll, I'm I'll answer, I'll, okay. I'll at least go par four, par five. Okay. Um, I, and these aren't my favorite because I score well on them, but my, my favorite ones are the ones that generally require you to hit good shots and not just mm -hmm. blast it all over the place. I love 16 at Legacy. Um, okay. You can't hit uh, driver off the tee, but it's a long hole. So, so you hit something in the middle of the fairway, I mean, you still have a, a lengthy second shot to get to that, that green um it, it's it's a challenging hole um and then probably par five would be number three at indianola country club okay where again you can hit driver uh but the fairway really narrows where you'd hit driver too so you don't probably hit it off there but that second shot you know you have all those trees left but the green sit behind there i mean to go for that green in two you have to hit two really good shots Otherwise, there's a total bailout on three at Indianola Country Club. You just hit an iron out there to 100 yards and, and kind of play it that way. But if you're trying to play it where you get there in two, I mean, three at Indianola Country Club is, is fun. 
Yeah, that's the double dog leg. We've played yeah. conference tournament here a number of years ago, and I know that we had a lot of guys that are like, I'm just going to bomb driver over here because I can get there in two, and it's not quite that simple when you play that, that hole. Uh, I was thinking, you know, just you throwing that out there here off the top of my head, I like number 13 at Fink Pine Par 3, the double green, uh, mm -hmm. because you can play that a lot of different ways, either yeah. where the tees are at, uh, to which green it plays almost like two totally different holes depending mm -hmm. on, you know, what the wind is and what yardage you're playing it from. Uh, and then the par five that I, I like is number 15 at Beaver Hills Country Club in Cedar Falls, okay. their kind of signature hole. It kind of runs along the pond there on the left where you, the second shot, if you're trying to go for that, is a, a pretty daunting shot. Uh, or you can obviously lay up too and there's trouble right too. So it's not like there's an easy miss on that hole. So that was one that kind of stuck out in my mind as a par five that I really like. Not a really, there's not really a par four that I really particularly like because I don't hit the ball too far. So I'm usually hitting driver long irons into those greens. <laughs> my least favorite par four is uh, Vinker where it tells you that if you want to uh, get aggressive, Which one? aim at the uh, old maintenance shed. Uh, and then uh, that's not really a possibility. So then you have to hit something and have about 215 back into that green. What it, we started <laughs> on the – that would have been on the back, right? Remember that one, Jason? Yeah, that was uh, like 15 maybe, 14, 15. Yeah, somewhere in there. All I know is every time we looked at the scorecard, I kept thinking, hey, aim here and hit this shot. And I'm like, It seemed like every hole is what you described out in Vinker. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one part five that jumps out to me and um, probably – why it's from uh i remember it the most is because the first time i played it i was playing it as a par four and just couldn't figure it out was 10 at brown deer mm, um yeah and so i'm like man this is a big carry for a par four um uh, and then obviously come to find out i'm like oh this ain't too bad a par five here over the water or whatever but uh um i know obviously being from iowa city that's one that's been a while since i played it but from a fun standpoint i mean brown deer is just I've always enjoyed it's just fun course to go out and, and play. Well, it's two really contrasting nines where you have the front nine that's so wide open and even 10 and 18 are still kind of wide open. But then once you get 11 to 16, 17, it's in the trees there and you can make some huge numbers if you're not careful. You know, what is that par five uh, number 15? kind of the dog leg left par five that goes where you really don't even need to hit driver off the tee because you could end up down on 16 if you kind of hit it a little to the right it's that's just a, a a tough little back nine for not being very long I didn't even know 10 at brown deer was a par five until I got done with the hole I made like a 15 <laughs> footer and they said nice birdie I'm like no I it took me four shots they're like yeah that's a birdie oh that's yeah a I'd like 130 in or something and hit a terrible shot. Like, how do you – I had no idea that was a par five. Yeah, I think they're a little generous on that one, but I think it's because you have the water there all in front of you, and then the water kind of circles around behind the green too. So I think they're just making it easy for people. But, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> so you know the area well. What about um, – is it, is it Saddlebrook or Saddleback? What's in Solon? Saddleback. I was actually just up there uh, this afternoon. So. Oh, yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. It, is it always windy there? Um, it wasn't on the front nine when I was playing there today. And then the wind kind of kicked up for about four or five holes. And then by the time I was done, it was kind of calmed back down again. 
that's one of those places that it seems like it can be the calmest day ever, but you show up there and all of a sudden it's just windy. Like it, right. Like they have all the wind. I don't yeah. know how they do it, but they do. <laughs> it's a fun oh. course. You know, I feel like for me, I feel like that's the kind of course where if I'm maybe struggling with my golf game a little bit, I go to Saddleback just to uh, kind of regroup and go shoot a good score. That's good. I a little bit of a a, a homer pick, but uh, definitely par five too is got to be hole number five at the Algona Country Club, um, solely because um, you have to look out for cars because you literally hit it over the road as they're coming in, and so you'd be sitting there about ready to hit, and you're supposed to stop. I mean, there's a small little sign that says "Look before you cross," but everyone just goes across. And so I don't know how many times you try to skip a one off the roof of a car as it's going by or it's gotten pretty close. And um, so, yeah, so that, that ends up being a field all down the right um, and uh, one of two sand traps on the course on that hole. So number five at Algona might be my favorite par five in the state. <laughs> that would have been a great question you guys could have asked me. It would have been how many golf courses have the entryway cutting across a fairway? Because I can think of, like, if you have Algona, um i can think of calamar uh luana indianola is one yeah rolf uh i'm trying to think of other courses like i can think of four or five just off the top of my head so there's got to be at least you know a dozen out there somewhere where you got a road or a driveway or something that's you know you got to be a little careful not to to damage you know someone's car (laughs) What about um, what about sketchy pro shops or clubhouses? Is there any, I mean, places where it's just like, man, I don't know if this is going to, a, a stiff breeze might blow this place over. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Honey, I mean, Honey that Creek that... and Boone, that trailer that they have. <laughs> well, I remember, well, we were talking about that one in Scotch Grove, the little sand green par three golf course there really isn't a, a clubhouse. I think it was just like a, a, a Morton building or something, you know, I don't really even, yeah. I don't remember if there was a clubhouse. Gosh, that's a good question. Um, well, back in your college days, I mean, deer run would probably fit in that mix a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what kind of clubhouse they had. I think it, that's a straight up Morton building. For sure. <laughs> Axe is yeah. also the cart shed too, or what? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's like, it looks like it's decent size and you walk in and it's like, you know, 10 by 10. <laughs> well, perfect, Ben. Um, ha- we could probably sit here and continue to hash these out uh, a- until wee hours of the morning, but uh, we-, we do have to jump into one of our favorite segments, Who's Career? So we'll take a quick break and then we're going to come back with uh, a real tough Who's Career this week. If you've been listening to our podcast and you haven't checked out Mormon Clothes yet, what are you waiting for? Jump online or head into either one of their stores in Ames and Mason City and check out all the wonderful product they have to offer. Mormon Clothes has been taking care of us and making sure that we look good even if we don't play good. Mormon Clothes online, Ames or Mason City. Check them out. All right, it's our last segment and uh, one of our favorites, uh, Whose Career? Still got to put out last week's a uh, little bit of a mishap on that. We'll get it out probably because it was a decisive decision on the pod. Everyone took Lee Jansen over Andy North, but 
we'll put that out for the Twitter sphere to, to, to decide and weigh in. Um, but this week, uh, a little bit of uh, a timing given the win over our, the weekend. Um, a little bit different. We've been kind of on the old school, going a little bit new school. Um, Got to try to project out where these guys are going to end up at. Obviously, you guys have all your own reasonings on why. Can't wait to hear what some of you guys have to say. But two guys we're putting up against each other today um, uh, do not have majors. So we have John Rahm versus Staggy's boy, Ricky Fowler. Uh, Rahm's got 12 pro wins, five on the PGA Tour, no majors, as I said, against Ricky Fowler, who's got nine pro wins, five on the PGA Tour, and obviously what some say the best golfer not to win a major. Um, so whose career out of these guys? Um, explain how, explain why, how are you going to project these guys out or aren't you? But uh, guest always goes first. So Ben, uh, if we made you, whose who's career of these two are you? would you rather take? You know, I think I'm going to take Ricky's career. You know, he's, he's had a, a solid career so far, but, you know, I think he's going to end up like Phil and maybe later in his career come through and get some majors. But then he's going to have just as lucrative of a career in TV or commercials or something like that because you see him all over the place. So, you know, I think he's going to make a lot of money, whether it's on the golf course or off the golf course. I like I like your thinking or you're you're right in line usually with my camp. So uh, Lee, uh, most anxious because I know where Staggy's going on this. I'm most anxious to hear what you have to say. Whose career are you taking? Well, Ricky's our first repeat. Whose career would you rather have? Uh, and I took Ricky the last time because um, I think I think he will win some majors. Like like Ben said that you know. How many? I don't know, but I, I think it'll be more than one. I do. I know he hasn't played well lately, but I do think he's going to win um, two majors. Uh, with that being said, I think John Rahm's going to win a lot more than that. Um, he's still really young. He looks old. I mean, that's his, that's his problem. When you look at him, like, he just has that build of, like, that mid-30s, early-40s slow-pitch softball player. He's trimmed down a little bit now, but, um, I mean, you watch him. Um, kind of a, a different tempo to his golf swing. You know, like, I don't think it's one you would try to emulate. I mean, he does it his own way. But, man, this, this last week you watch him play and you kind of see uh, just a speck of how good he could be. Uh, I think John Rahm wins. Um, I think he wins a major here in, in less than a month at the U.S. Open. I think he's built for a lot of different types of tournaments. He can flight a golf ball. Um, and, and he can get hot and, uh, I'm going John Rahm, um, which is weird to say, cause I really like Ricky, but, if I, uh, if I gave you John Rahm three and a half majors for his career, that's a lot, but I, I think he'll, I think he'll go over that. I think, I mean, what is he 23 or four? He's not very old. No, it yeah. just seems like he's been there forever. I think that's where you'd think him and Ricky are, are similar ages, but, um, yeah, I, I'm taking Rom all the way. I think he's going to win a lot of golf tournaments. All right, one to one. We're we're getting somewhere. Staggy, I know this is a little tough for you. Uh, obviously, a big Ricky guy, but I also know Rombo is kind of your boy too. So, where are you going um, with wh whose career? First off, let's get this out there. I guess I have a lot of boys on the PJ Tour because it seems like every name that pops up, BC is throwing it out there as my boy, but. 
I, I, for all the avid listeners of the pod, it's been known that I think that Ricky Fowler will win a major, but he won't get to 10 career wins, which if you look at that total, I uh, obviously John Rahm is already over 10 career wins. Uh, and with that being said, I too agree that he's going to win at least a couple majors. Uh, how many beyond two or three? That's to be determined, but I think he at least wins a couple. Uh, I also think his game is pretty set up for Augusta National, too, and the Masters. And so with his ability to hit the ball high and his ability to obviously scramble and get up and down, I think he's really cut out for that, too. So I think that uh, – you know, even though Ricky is, I've always been in Ricky's corner and will always be in Ricky's corner. I'm going with Rahm in this one for whose career I'd rather have. So a little bit contrary to what BC thought I'd do. Yeah, no, I love it. That's uh, that's some good stuff there, man. Um, you know, all of you guys are bringing up some good points, obviously. So Rahm's 25 years old um is how old he is which is crazy because i mean he looks 45 um i know we were talking through text um you know my comment was they show him putting from behind and he looks like your 45 year old local plumber that's trying to get nine in before dinner when you see him and part of that is probably some of his uh some of this apparel and his shoes that he's wearing i mean we could let's we can do something a little bit better with that but uh the dude can play um lee as you mentioned he's one at uh, probably the twoest two of the toughest setups uh, that the guys have seen um, for sure since the return to golf. Um, and the guy can go, I know, you know, his, his analytics coming out of college is, was off the charts and he, he can really play. And, and Ricky, I, while I, um, I continue to give Ricky a hard time on the pod, um, you know, I do think he's good for the game of golf. I, I think he's a good ambassador for the game. Um, I, I don't think he's a closer. And so, as I've said multiple times, I don't think he gets to 10. Um, I'm not even quite convinced that he's going to get a major. Um, and, but from the financial side, that's, that's one of the things I always look at and always weigh in on the net worth. And it, and it would feel like the things are, are slanted heavily towards Ricky. Um, ben, as you mentioned, I mean, just from the Puma stuff and Mercedes and the commercial State Farm or Rocket Mortgage, all these commercials that he's in, I feel like his net worth should be a lot higher. They got him at about 20 million right now on his net worth. Um, and Rahm's is uh, what I was able to find was 13 million. Um, you know, so why we're talking quite a bit of money, obviously the fact that, uh, um, you know, Rahm is so much younger. Uh, he's already at 13 million. I think he's got a little bit better game. I don't think that uh, he has the closing issues that Ricky does. I, I'm, we're stacking up against you a little bit, Ben, but I got to go Rahm. <laughs> I got to go Rom on this uh, for, for whose career. Uh, Cause I do think that uh, he's going to just pile on the wins and um, whether he gets over three majors, I'm not sure, but he's going to make a lot of money yet uh, for the next 10 years. All right, guys. Well, that does it for, uh, for tonight's pod, Ben. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, appreciate yeah, all your insight and taking some time to talk with us. Um, go through everything. I, I'm really hoping, and I got a good feeling that we're going to get a lot of people that that want an extra comment, or we're going to get hit up. Why didn't you ask them about this or that? But uh, uh, you know, as as we go through and as we talked about, and maybe one or two more pop up or something, we'll have to have you back on. Oh yeah, definitely. It's been fun. Well, guys, we appreciate it. it's Two Pup Pod as always. We'll catch you on the next tee.